about to hear is an audio tape with Werner Erhard called Relationships Making Them Work. This material is excerpted from a series of courses on relationships and the S-Standard training. Although it shouldn't be confused with a complete course on relationships, it has been designed in such a way that it will support you in making your own relationships work. You'll hear Werner, interactions with participants, and several exercises, one of which requires a pencil and paper. The first section we're going to hear is taken from a course on relationships in 1975, where Werner talks about just what a relationship is and what it isn't. If you take the dictionary and look up the word relationship, and then you look up the words that define relationship, and you make a definition out of the words that define relationship, what you get is that relationship is an understanding and being aware of another person's way of being. So a relationship is an understanding and a being aware of another person's way of being. Relationship is the condition of understanding and being aware of another person. Now, so that we don't leave anyone confused, we also want to contrast what we are looking for with what we're not looking for, because often the contrast allows us to be clear. And so we have the word involvement. You see, people who are related oftentimes get the idea that they're involved. And if you're involved, the involvement may be shoving the relationship out of the way. So it's a good idea to be very clear about what involvement means. To be involved in a relationship means to make intricate, tangled, or complicated. <laughs> right out of the dictionary, by the way. Involvement means to entangle in trouble, difficulty, danger, etc. Implicate. To involve, to be involved, is to draw or hold within itself. It's a very interesting thing. To draw or hold within itself. In other words, a relationship which is exclusive, which excludes the world, a relationship which makes no contribution to the world, a relationship which doesn't express itself in the world is an involvement, not a relationship. Involvement means to include by necessity. Relationships aren't a function of necessity. Involvements are a function of necessity. Involvement means to make busy, employ, or occupy. And an awful lot of people are simply taking up their time with their relationships because they haven't got anything better to do. That's an involvement, not a relationship. Entanglement is another good way of looking at what we're not talking about, because many people are entangled in their relationships. And entanglement means to involve in, as in a tangle, to catch, as in a net, vine, etc., so that escape is difficult. Now we'll go into the S training. It's late on the last day, and Werner elaborates on this issue. Now, one of you very clever people who's been through enough love affairs to know one's enough. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do to keep the other person around so that they can't get away from you when you decide that you can't live without them? You've got to keep them around. What do you do to keep them around? Tell them you love them. Because why? Because... If I love her, she can't live without me. That's the one thing 
nobody can live without. So I say, I love you. <laughs> See? You all been through it. Every last one of you have done it. I love you. See, what you're waiting for is for her to say, I love you too. Oh, now it's terrific. She says, I love you, and I say, I love you, and she says, I love you, and I say, I love you. It's terrific. It feels great, you know? But it's just beautiful. After a while, it wears out. I love you. So what? <laughs> you know, so what? What else you got? <laughs> now let's go back to where we left off in the relationships course. You see, this business about going over definitions is a very useful thing. Because if you've got something from which escape is difficult and you're calling it a relationship, you have made a big mistake. That isn't a relationship, that's an entanglement. Entanglement means to involve in difficulty. It's interesting because if you read this, it sounds like you're reading a description of most people's relationships. And that's why I wanted to go over these definitions. I think it's very important to understand that that is not what a relationship is. So if you've got a thing which has involved you in great difficulty, and you've been calling that a relationship, you want to stop that. That's not a relationship. It's an entanglement. And the beginning of the mastery of anything, the beginning of the experience of satisfaction in any area, has to do with telling the truth. In this next segment, we'll be doing an exercise in which you can look at the goals you have in your relationships. Although it's not necessary to write things down, it's actually very useful for you to do this exercise with pencil and paper. So if you will, I'd like you now to get out your notebook, and I'd like you to write in the notebook some goals. What we're talking about here are specific, measurable objectives. In other words, something like, what is it that you now don't have in a particular relationship you would like to have, or like to have the ability to have? So you might express your goal in terms of a new ability. You might express your goal in terms of a new something to happen in your relationship, in a particular relationship. You might express your goal in terms of something which is in your relationship that you'd like to get out of your relationship. So what I'd like you to do now is to start writing in your notebook. Start writing some specific goals. You may find some goals, if you remember back to the definition of involvement and entanglement. Write down perhaps the problems in your relationships. Be specific. Make it a particular relationship or a particular person.
If you're doing something in your relationship that you want to stop doing, write that down. If you're not doing something in your relationship that you want to start doing, write that down. Which one of your fantasies would you like to have come true? If you want to say it that way. Which one of your desires would you like to see come into being? Which one of your hopes? What is it that you want that you'd like to have? Be specific, be clear, make sure you limit the boundary of the result you want so that it's specific, and make sure you state it in terms the achievement of which can be measured so that you know if you've accomplished it. Well. Almost anything is measurable if you think, it can, if you think it's measurable. For instance, I, I could say that what I wanted to do in my relationships was be happier. Now, I have to be very clear that being happier ain't much, you know? Because happier is anything from an inch to a mile. It is measurable. So a month from now, I could look down and I could see that what I wanted to be a month before was happier, and I am happier. I'm not much happier. I'm not happy enough to be happy, but I'm happier. So measurable means something that you can tell if you've accomplished it or not. By the way, if you've got one thing down there or two things down there and you think you got it, you ain't got it. If you only had one or two things in your relationships that you wanted to accomplish, uh, you would probably be at least three feet off the floor. So keep looking. When you get tired of adding, more, add some more. When you get bored with it, add some more. When you get annoyed with it, add some more. If you're kind of stuck, go back over the ones you've got and clean them up a little bit, you'll get some more. Make them more specific, make them more exact. Make them clearer. Say them exactly the way you want them. Imagine that somebody with a wand was going to come along and touch you on the head and you were going to get those things. But you were going to get them exactly as you got them. Make them clear and accurate and specific. You see, a part of the game that the mind plays to create dissatisfaction is that it won't be specific. The mind works in generalities. In order to beat it at its own game, you must be willing to get things clear, to make things specific, to pin them down. If you 
run out of things, clean up the ones you've already got. They'll remind you of some more as you get them cleaned up. Until finally you begin to realize that you've got a fairly complete list. Do you notice how hard this has been? That's amazing. People don't get why they can't get what they want, you know? See, one of the things that will surely keep you from getting what you want is not knowing it. Got about a half a minute to go. Okay? Please finish that by finishing off the number that you're on. When you're finished with the number you're on, don't go any further. In the following talk from 1976, Werner discusses the ability to create complete relationships. First, I want to be absolutely clear about what it means to be complete in a relationship. In the dictionary, the definition of completing, the exact definition of completing, as a matter of fact, is to make whole, full, or perfect. Complete implies the inclusion of all that is required for the integrity, perfection, or fulfillment of something. When something is complete, it is experienced exactly as it is. That is to say, it is experienced as it is without being obscured by the way it should be. So when something's complete, the should-be's and the ought-to-be's and the way you want it to be or your concepts about it or your, your ideals about it or the agreed-on ideals about this thing that you're complete with or the comparison with other things or people, what you've really worked towards to put together or have, when something's complete, all that's kind of dropped away from it. When something is complete, it's also fulfilled. There's no need for something else. Now, that doesn't mean that it wouldn't be pleasant to have other things in it. It's just that you no longer have any need. You no longer are attached to having something else with it. And you no longer have any need for some part of it not to be there. There's no sense that it could be better. It's simply the way it is. There's no sense that it should be different. To be complete means not to experience a sense of insufficiency or inadequacy. There is simply a sense of what is. And so a relationship is complete. That is to say, a relationship is perfect when it is as it is, when it is allowed to be the way it is, when it's accepted the way it is. Not, not accepted in terms of becoming the victim of it, you know, or the effect of it, or having it thrust upon you, but really accepting it, you know, opening yourself up to it, creating the space for it to be the way it is. Okay, I have a question. Um, I'm stuck, and I don't know what to do to get unstuck. <clears throat> um, I'm very clear that I'm acting out my parents' marriage and relationship. Um, my mother found things in my father that she didn't like, and for 40 years she punished him. She's still punishing for him for it. And I'm doing the same thing now. And I see it, and I don't know what to do to not do it. And um, 
my S experience tells me that I'm supposed to do nothing. And what I come up with is that I don't know how to do nothing. Well, I'll tell you how to do nothing. When you're punishing somebody, when you're finding things in people that you can punish them for, what you should do is to find things in people that you can punish them for. Now, what that means, Andrea, is that you've got to give up trying to get rid of that. See, uh, if you're an alcoholic, one of the things which is true about you is that you're an alcoholic. And when you finally get that you are an alcoholic and have accepted that, you have some chance, small chance, but some small chance of being able to behave like people who are not alcoholics, but you never stop being an alcoholic. See, the day an alcoholic stops being an alcoholic, he or she goes back to drinking. So the same thing is true with people who find fault with others so that they can... Be right. Well, so they can be whatever, yes. Uh, what you need to be willing to do is to get that, you know, that's how you are. And uh, people uh, with... Uh, People with one arm get along in life, and people without eyes get along in life, and people who can't, get, who can't hear get along in life, and they seem to have as much fun and get as much out of life as the rest of us. So I would imagine that people who find fault with other people in order to make them wrong get along in life too if they want to. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Very nice, thank you. One of the things I want you to be very clear about as far as relationships go, you can be related only to the degree that you can let the things in the space of relationship be. I'll say it again. To the degree that you can allow those things which are in the space of being related to be to the degree that you can allow things to be, to that degree you can be. What I mean by that is this. There are two states in which things exist. One of the states in which things exist is a state called something. So a thing can exist as something. Something which exists as something changes its state from the state of something, from existing as something, to existing in a totally different state when you complete your experience of it, when you let it be totally. It goes from the state of something, it goes from existing as something to the state of everything. It moves into that state called everything which if you've been through the training you at least heard is also nothing. So a thing can exist as something and a thing can exist as everything nothing. When it exists as everything nothing, you are no longer the effect of it. You are then able to create it and you are not the effect of it. The way you alter something from the state of something to the state of everything nothing is by letting it be is by allowing yourself to complete your experience of it. So to the degree that you can complete your experience with those things that you've been resisting experiencing,
to that degree you can be, and since we're talking about relationships, to that degree you can be related. So if something tragic, something awful, and something horrible comes up, or some degree of that, something uncomfortable, something unpleasant, something unwanted comes up, whatever it is that comes up, to the degree that you can let it be, to the degree that you are willing to complete your experience of it, to that degree you've become more alive in your relationships, therefore I say that what comes up is your friend. What follows is Werner's answer to a question about how to handle jealousy in a relationship. Uh, I don't really have advice for people except one thing, and that is don't take any advice. Uh, so I always like to tell people that I have nothing to say about their situation. However, I am definitely willing to share with you my experience, my insights, the abstractions that I've created, and if those things, if you use those things to create some value for you, then I'm very pleased, and my, I assume that's what you're asking, is for me to share any insight I've got into the area which you can use to gain your own insight, so that's really what I'm going to do. Uh, first off, if you had a, you said that you started out the relationship, and you said that it was satisfying, and that's great. And then you said that trouble came into the relationship. One of the things that I can assure you is that if you complete your relationships and they become satisfying, you are going to get trouble. The one thing which always follows satisfaction is dissatisfaction. Because you see, what we do with the satisfaction we gain is we try to hold on to it. And satisfaction held on to is mechanical and therefore the antithesis of, of satisfaction. You can't hold on to satisfaction. You can only create it. And the only way you can create anything is if you've got space to create it in. And the only way you've got any space to create anything in is your willingness to complete what you've got. So it's the dissatisfaction which, when completed, creates space for satisfaction. Now, what the relationship did was to allow you to confront another chunk of life, another part of, to put it in an Eastern discipline, your karma. Your karma is to have a relationship with a woman that goes well and then have her want to go out with other men. I say it's your karma simply because that's what you say happened. And what happens is your karma, you see? You don't have to be very wise about that. At any rate, you see, ultimately, the quality of our lives, ultimately now, you know, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and there's a, a, a beginning, an interim, and an end. Ultimately, the quality of our lives is a reflection of how much we can confront. Just how much of the world can you handle? Well, one part of the world, which you're going to get a chance to handle now, one way or another, you're going to get a chance to handle having a successful relationship with a woman and have her want to go out with other men. So, my, my advice is don't solve those problems. My advice actually is don't solve any problems. My advice is to be with them. 
to experience them, to go through whatever suffering there is, if you'll allow me to use that word, to go through whatever suffering there is in connection with those things and keep expanding your willingness to create space for those things. Now, I have to tell you, I hate the way that sounds because it sounds like I'm asking you to be long-suffering. I hate long-suffering stuff. I'm for short-suffering. <laughs> so my way of knowing about how to shorten the suffering is to accept it, to take responsibility for it. Thank you. Yes. What I wanted to ask is, it um, seems my main fear is a fear of rejection, especially in intimate relationship. And uh, I just wonder how to go about uh, overcoming it or making it disappear. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the first thing that you do to handle it is to be able to be aware of it. And if you can stand up in front of uh, 6,000 people and communicate it, you are definitely on the way to dumping your fear of rejection. You're going to have to pick up some new baggage pretty soon because you're certainly, certainly not going to have that to carry around anymore. At any rate, see, most people have their relationships together pretty good and they don't have any problems in their relationships and they're all well organized and they're well adjusted well balanced people with no problems <laughs> and there's no satisfaction in their relationships and they can't for the life of them figure out why so if you've taken the step up to be able to identify one of the barriers in your relationship one of the barriers to the experience of satisfaction in your relationships, you are definitely a step up. And that's why I say that the first step in handling barriers to completing relationships is to be aware of the barriers. In large measure, that is actually all you need to do. The place where you're going, so you have a kind of place to go, a map, the ground you need to cover is the ground between recognizing that you've got the barrier and that's really success already. You've already succeeded once you recognize the barrier. Where that puts you is on a trip, the end of which is being the source of the barrier, being that one who creates the barrier. As a matter of fact, if I were going to do a process with you about the fear of rejection, what I would do is to have you create the fear of rejection and just create more of it, create more of it. You know, if you can create a whole auditorium full of the fear of rejection, by that time you are so the master of fear of rejection, you can just let it be. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Werner, hi. Hi, Susan. Um, <laughs> I'm going through a lot of spaces to sit standing here. Yes, I know. Uh, good. 
Me too. Um, and they have to... <laughs> they have to do with being important and having an important thing to share. Uh-huh. And I don't. Okay. So I've got that out, and I'm going to share. <laughs> Great. Um, my act, or the biggest thing right now for me that I have to give up, is being in control of my life. And that's really scary for me, because I've always been in charge of every situation. And thinking about giving that up, you know, what's, what's underneath that, it's like I'm at the mercy of other people. So. Yes. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm really glad that Susan brought that up because there's, uh, that's really important. Uh, you and I, we created everybody else. And the one problem with creating something is that immediately after you create it, you become the effect of it. You've got to give up control. See, you have ultimate control in that you're allowed to create things. And then even after that, you've got ultimate control in that you're allowed to create the space in which they exist. And then even after that, you've got ultimate control in that you can recreate them so that they can disappear. But during that little process, you are completely out of control. And the only way to regain control when you're out of control is to be out of control. You get that? Does that <laughs> penetrate? So you see, all these people, you're the effect of all these people. Look, I'd be, you know, out sailing on the bay if it weren't for you. Of course, also, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't exist, you see. <laughs> so it has its balancing aspects. <laughs> I'm really glad Susan brought it up to be very straight about it for a moment. One really must learn to be in total control out of control. And, and if you've done any, uh, if you've learned to ski, if you can ski, it may be different. I don't know about being able to ski because I can't ski, but I've learned to ski three or four times. Uh, I, I learned to uh, hang glide. I had one hang gliding experience. It was a one-second flight to a crash on the side of the mountain in Aspen. So I know a lot about being out of control, you see. And uh, one of the things I know from my experiences of being out of control, and I've been told by other people who are really experts at various uh, sport forms, is that you really need to let go. You really need to be willing to, to let it happen, you know, to take its course. And in that moment of letting go, as you let go, suddenly you gain true control, not force, not dominance, not the ability to push it around or shove it or form it or reform it or all those other words, but the ability to truly control it. One of the best experiences I've had of that in my, own, in my own life that just happened to come to me a minute ago was an experience of going down uh, the rapids in some river or other. And we got out of the uh, rafts and uh, jumped into the rapids and went down just, uh, you know, body-wise. No raft, just the body. And uh, you get taken along by the water with an incredible amount of force. And your first impulse is to resist it. Now, fortunately, the river is so big that you can't resist it. 
And so you get to have this experience whether you want to or not. <laughs> you do actually let go, and the instant you let go and you're willing to be out of control, you're willing to be swept along by the river, if you stay conscious, little if in there, if you stay conscious at that moment, you realize that you're able to direct the motion of your body through the rapids, that you can go around the stones, that you can avoid things, and that it doesn't take any effort, you know? The water doesn't go into the stones, you see. It goes around the stones. <laughs> the people who resisted, they got inserted into stones. Susan, thank you very much for that. That was really great. I want to recommend to you that you let it hang out in your relationships. Please. Hi, Warner. Hi. Well, the situation I find myself in is uh, I'm in a sexual relationship with a person, and I've, lately I've been having really good relationships with other people and not getting, well, going through stuff, but I can handle it, kind of. Right. When I'm with this person, uh, all my stuff comes up extra strong, and I got, uh, I really get obsessed with all my patterns, and I just feel, you know, real involved in all this stuff, and I don't even want to be around him because it comes up so much, although I do want to be around him. And that's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sex is a great involvement. <laughs> Uh, it may be that the only cure for that involvement is old age. <laughs> my, own, my own view on that matter is that the most important thing a person's got to do about sex is lighten up. Mm. That... Uh, You know, it is. It's, it's, a, it's really incredibly survival-oriented. And that isn't very difficult to, to understand. I mean, it's the way we procreate and the way we keep the species going and the way we keep the race going and the way we keep the, you know, the human race going. And uh, <laughs> the other one, too, yes. The rat race. Uh, at any rate... I think the most important thing a person can... You see, what, what happens is the whole thing becomes so clouded and so enmeshed and entangled that there isn't any way to get any clarity on it. So even if somebody says something that, that makes any sense, or even if you get a little peek through the clouds uh, and you get a moment of clarity, it, doesn't really it isn't really very useful. It doesn't, it doesn't do much. So my own view about the whole business about sex is that we ought to lighten up about it. We ought to reduce it in significance. Uh, we ought to allow ourselves the space to be crazy about sex, because we are. <laughs> Next, we'll go back into the training where Werner talks about how to be attractive. I want to tell you something else about handling people of the opposite sex. What I'll really tell you is how to be attractive. You've seen people who are not particularly handsome, who are somehow very attractive. 
people who don't, whose, whose, you know, features aren't organized like we like them to be organized, but somehow they're really attractive people, you know? Everyone know what I'm talking about? I'll tell you the difference between attractive people and unattractive people. Attractive people are interested. Unattractive people are interesting. You want to be attractive? You want to get people to play with? Be interested. You want to spend time by yourself? Be interesting. This is very, it takes all the mystery out of it, you notice? I mean, you know, all that stuff you're doing to get dressed up so that they'll really like it the way they see it? They can't even see you. They're too worried about what they look like. They got all their attention on what they look like. How are they going to see you? I'll tell you what, if you walk in and say, oh, that's interesting what you're wearing. Oh, noticed. How about that? That makes you interesting that you're interested. In 1975, Werner talked about what is probably the most fundamental aspect of making relationships work. Okay, we're now ready to move into, as you can see, I actually have been moving into, the part of a relationship was, which is creative. And the crux of the creative aspect of a relationship is very, very simple. You cannot complete, listen, you cannot complete a relationship with anyone that you do not admire and respect as they are now. I am sorry. I really wish it were easier. <laughs> there are some people that I have to get all the admiration and respect that I can get together, together, to admire and respect. But that's the way it is. It's really the way it is. You are stuck with those people you do not admire and respect. You see, it's a beautiful trap. You're going to get to keep them around in one form or another, if you get rid of them, you only get another one the same way. You get to keep them, and if you get one that doesn't look like it's the same way, it will become the same way. You have to make it the same way. It's something you haven't completed. You can't complete a relationship with someone you don't admire and respect. And some people make it damn difficult. It's too bad. You see, it's a very interesting thing. But the truth of the matter is that the only reason, the only cause of not admiring and respecting someone is something within yourself. I know that's a difficult thing, and I don't want to lay it on you and burden you with it so that each time you meet somebody you don't admire and respect, you have to go through that whole soul-searching business. And yet I would like you to kind of hold your information in that, in that matrix, if you will, to know that when you meet someone, 
who you can't admire and respect, you are simply looking at those things in yourself which you can't tolerate. And so to complete the relationship, to allow the relationship to be in a space of satisfaction, you must be willing to admire and respect those people with whom you relate. Miracles have been happening in my relationships. I was actually able to communicate with my father about my relationship with my mother and my relationship with him. And I mean, I've never been able to communicate anything in my family. You know, what's been really going on with me? And here I was telling my father that I am so stuck at wanting my mother to be lovable before I love her. You know, it's like I'm holding out for her to get lovable. And she... get that she's not going to change and I have the choice of whether to love her and, and to get satisfaction out of that relationship or to be stuck on it and not love her. So I feel like I'm at the crossroad. I, I can choose whether to get off it and love her exactly the way she is or not love her and I'm willing to get off it. Um, I have a sense that if I can let my mother be exactly the way she is with me, that she will do anything for me. Yep. It's just, it's incredible. Thank you yeah, very much for that. Yeah, it is incredible. <laughs>